But what you give up is safety, right? Because if the markets can go up and down on a daily basis, like we've seen, then you're giving up the safety of principle that if you put $100,000 in, you might get back 80, you might get back 120, you don't know, but you're willing to take that risk with some of your money in exchange for that potential growth opportunity and to have some liquidity. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. This is the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart and myself here to talk investing, finance, and retirement with Michael. we got a great show lined up uh, on the docket this week. We're going to talk about the qualities of money, the three qualities of money, what those are and what they mean to you. We'll get into that in just a second. But before we do, welcome into the show. Mike, how are you going, my friend? You doing all right? Everything's going great, Mark. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Hey, check this out. Our podcast, this is number 72. It is now eligible to uh, file RMDs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> so we've been doing this a little while, so already up to 72 podcasts. Pretty cool. I thought that was interesting to share. Uh, I got uh, a little question I want to ask you here about uh, about our new president-elect and all that good stuff. One of the things, the topic is, topics of conversation, if I can talk here, is that uh, Joe wants to cancel $10,000 of student loan debt for every student loan borrower. What do you think about this? Do you think this would be a good thing for the country overall, bad, not make much of a difference? What's your take on this? Yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So I kind of give you both sides, both the anti and the pro side. Now, on the anti side of it, you know, it's government's not supposed to rescue you, you know, although 2020 will tell us otherwise, <laughs> right? True. But it's, you know, it's, that's your responsibility. You took out the loan. You know, it's basically, you know, you, you made that choice. Uh, at the other side of it, part of that is, well, if your income is below a certain level, then we'll forgive the loan. So if your income below 30000 or 50000 or 100000 or whatever arbitrary number that they pick out there, you know, that's kind of anti for me as well. And, you know, not that rich people should be getting their loans forgiven and all this kind of thing. But at the same time is, you know, what was their income level when they took out those loans? You know, just because, you know, they took out the loans for their kids, you know, or the, you know, or the kids took it out when they didn't have much income and that was their only option. You know, maybe circumstances have changed three, five, 10 years down the road, and now they're going to get penalized for it just because they happen to be doing well with the degree that they got. So, you know, that's kind of part of its responsibility and part of it's just, it seems that it's kind of random as to, you know, who's going to get forgiveness or not. And, you know, and, you know, that always bothers me a little bit. On the pro side of it is, you know, how did people get so indebted with college loans to begin with? And really, it's when the government backstopped most college lending. That's where in the last 20 plus years, you've seen it skyrocket as far as the price of colleges. And a lot of the universities have basically allowed their tuition increases to go up 5, 10, 20% on an annual basis. And the reason why is because there was this unlimited checkbook available to families, whether they had the means to repay it or not that were just given these student loans. And the hardest thing about student loans, and a lot of people aren't aware of this, is that you know it's not that you want to go through it either, but that a student loan is only one of two different debts, the other one being taxes, is one of two debts that you can't discharge in bankruptcy. So if all of a sudden you take out all these student loans because you know the government said you could, and they gave you, you know, $100,000, $200,000 of loans, and you go through a really rough economic patch early on, and you can't pay them back, 
then you know you could be destroyed financially for the rest of your life because you can't get out from under these uh, loans. Mm, you know, so yeah. on the pro side, is anything the government can do to help kind of get rid of you know loans that maybe shouldn't have even been given to in the first place? Then you know I'm, I'm all for that. So you know, but I think that there's kind of some level of responsibility associated with it too, and it's kind of a hard political pill to swallow. Yeah, definitely, and it's going to stay. You know, it's like a lot of things we've got coming down the pike. We're going to have some diversity in conversation when it comes to whatever you know is the, some of these right decisions. And there's probably really no right or wrong answer, I suppose, until we kind of get into it. It's all speculation until then, but we'll see how it all plays out. All right, well, let's get into our main topic here, Mike: financial literacy. What are the three qualities of money? Well, if you don't know the answer, then this episode is definitely for you. So first off, we'll have Mike tell us what are the three qualities of money, and then we'll talk about what they mean and what they might uh, could do for you. So what are they, Mike? Yeah, really the three main areas, you know, and we break it down differently in our practice a little bit, but really the three things when we say, okay, your money can only do one of three different things. I mean, really, and I'll show you how you can get two out of three. Uh, but it's growth, right? We want our money to grow to the sky. When I talk to clients about what's a perfect investment, it's going to encapsulate all three of these things. One, growth. We want it to grow to the sky. Okay. Two, but I want it to be safe. You know, I don't yep. want to lose anything. So I want it to grow to the sky, but have, you know, no downside. And I want it to be liquid because if I need this money tomorrow, I need it. So grow to the sky, never lose a dime and immediately available for me. Okay, and the you, reality is it doesn't exist. Right. I was going to say, I heard you say you can get two of three. So you mean to tell me that there is not one single investment that gives you all three? No, we, we, we wish that there was. You know, <laughs> but realistically, you can have more than one of these. You can actually have two of those three in a variety of different investments that you have. You know, most people try to get all three in one, and that's why they're always so disappointed. It's, you know, a lot of people throw their money at the market, and they're like, yeah, that's great. I can get growth. And then they cry when it's down 20%. Well, you understood you had to give up one of those three things. Right. On the other side of it is, hey, I don't want to lose any money, so I'm going to put it in the bank. And then they're upset that they're not making any money on it. So, you know, when you build a portfolio and whatever your plan says, you know, that you need to have, then what it does is you say you might want some money in all three of those you know, because there's trade-offs, pros and cons, depending on what the purpose of that money is. Yeah. I mean, having a plan, that's where you can get all three because you're going to have different vehicles that are going to help you achieve some growth, some safety, uh, some liquidity. So let's talk about some of the vehicles and how they might break down into those categories and then uh, a ways, you know, ways to look at how that might affect your plan. So cash, what are the three qualities we find in cash, Mike? Yeah. So with, with cash, you really have your money safe. So let's assume you got it sitting in the bank, right? Some FDIC insured money market or even a CD or something. So it's safe, right? Won't keep up with inflation, but that's not the purpose of it. Uh, and it's liquid because you, if you need it, you can go in and get it out of your savings account, your money market, your checking account, or whenever that CD comes due. But what you're giving up is growth. You know, outside of whatever the, you know, minuscule interest rate that's currently being paid at the bank right now, it's there will be no real growth. And when you factor in a two or three percent inflation, you're actually going backwards. So you safely go broke. You know, you think yeah. that you're you're safe, but really when you figure in inflation, you're not. The purpose of any of these cash type of investments, bank type of investments, is safety of the money because there's a specific purpose either tomorrow or within the next 24 months that you know you need a specific amount of money to buy a car, to fix the roof to have an emergency account, whatever it happens to be, the purpose of that money is defined. So it's less important that that small amount of money 
it grows and it's more important that it's available for you because you know it may be needed in the short term. Yeah, if you're talking about those buckets of money, this is basically our emergency fund, right? Mm-hmm. So this right. is where we're getting that safety and liquidity, but to your point, very little growth. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, at some point, they might start charging us to hold our money at the banks. <laughs> the way yeah, that's the way it's going. going yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the big one there that everybody thinks about when they think of investing, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. What do we find there? Yeah, so typically these can be your more growth-oriented investments. So, you know, stocks, more like stock mutual funds, those are things that are designed for growth, right? So if the market goes up, you make money. Uh, they're liquid. You just don't know what your actual cost is going to be, right? So when I say they're liquid, if it goes up 20% and you pull it out, you made 20%. If it goes down 20% and you took it out, well, you didn't really get growth. You got shrinkage, but it was still liquid, right? So you <laughs> still got access to your money. So when you talk about stocks and stock mutual funds, that's going to give you growth potential on your money. It's going to give you liquidity because as long as the markets are open and it's publicly traded, you can you know buy and sell in any given business day. But what you give up is safety, right? Because if the markets can go up and down on a daily basis, like we've seen, then you're giving up the safety of principle that if you put $100,000 in, you might get back 80, you might get back 120, you don't know, but you're willing to take that risk with some of your money in exchange for that potential growth opportunity and to have some liquidity. Yeah. And I think, again, for these first two, we kind of all have that general idea. We realize that cash is kind of that uh, uh, safe and liquid aspect. And if you're in the market, you realize that uh, there's not a lot of safety there, but that's where we try to grow our money. It's often said as the the greatest wealth creation tool on the planet. So we kind of get that rough idea on those. And again, this is why you have multiple things going on in your plan so that you can get all the things you're looking for. So let's talk about a couple that we don't often think of as far as it, as far as far the three qualities go anyway, Mike. And so let's start with annuities. What do we find in those? Because they can be, there's different kinds of annuities. And so are they all the same with the qualities of money or are they different as well? Yeah, with annuities, there's it's a very kind of you know hot button you know word when you say annuity. When you talk annuities with clients, just in showing what all the different options are out there, just so we make educated decisions, you know, you get one of two things: one, I love annuities, or one, I hate annuities. What it's important for everybody to understand is the word annuity just means you have a contract with an insurance company. So there's no there's good annuities, there's bad annuities, just like there's good mutual funds and bad mutual funds and good stocks and bad stocks. The word annuity, anytime you hear it, it just means that somewhere there's an insurance company involved. That's all the word annuity really means. There's some kind of contract with some certain guarantees or uh, assurances associated with it. So typically, you're right. There are multiple types of annuities. There's an immediate annuity, a variable annuity, a fixed rate annuity, an index annuity. There's you know four or five main types that are out there. For our purposes on the investment insurance discussion, on annuities, we'll just talk about what's called fixed annuities, whether they're fixed rate or fixed indexed, you know, there's two different types. What that really means is it provides you an opportunity for growth on the money. So you can earn an interest rate, you know, whether it's a fixed rate or tied to the markets or something else without having your money in the market. Uh, and it offers safety because as long as you hold it to maturity, you can't lose any money. So if the markets go up 10% and you make five, you know, and then the markets go down 10% and you don't lose the five you had made before or any of your original principal, you know, or if something's paying you a flat interest rate of 3%, you make 3%, doesn't matter what's going on in the rest of the world. Right. So you get growth, you know, you have the opportunity to grow your money. You get safety because there's an insurance company saying that, hey, if you hold this long enough, then you know, you're going to get all your money back, plus get to keep all your interest. But what you give up in exchange for growth and safety is a little bit of liquidity. And what I, what I mean by that is it doesn't mean you can't have access to some of your money. 
It just means that let's say you put $500,000 into an annuity. The question that I always ask clients is, you know what, we have liquidity or access up to 10% every single year. So what that means is that if you come to me in a year and you say, hey, Mike, I need $40,000, $50,000, you can have penalty-free access to it. Is that enough? If you say, no, Mike, you know, I want it liquid enough that if I want to take $250,000, know, half of it out, well, then an annuity might not be a good fit for you because mm, it doesn't okay. give you the liquidity that you want. But if you said, you know what, I want a reasonable rate of return for growth, I want my money 100% safe from market losses, and I'm okay that for this portion of my money, once again, not all of it, for this portion of my money, I have limited access in exchange for that, then that's when it can make sense. Gotcha. Okay. You know, we often get emails, Mike, about various topics into the show, and one of those is real estate. And, you know, obviously all these TV shows are very popular, your flips and flops and so on and so forth. And people wonder, especially for retirees, is it a good, you know, income stream in retirement? So if we're looking at real estate, now not like a REIT, not like a real estate investment trust, because obviously that's probably going to be even more different, but standard real estate, maybe like an investment home or something, what are the three qualities of money to, to expect to find there? If we're talking about physical, tangible real estate, so as you said before, not a real estate investment trust, not a security made up of real estate and those things, but we're talking about going out buying a rental home or a piece of land or commercial property or something. So actual, physical, tangible, you got your name on a deed real estate. You have the potential for growth, right? Because real estate typically, usually over time appreciates. You somewhat have safety. And the safety, it's not safety like putting your money in the bank. It's safety is it's an asset, a hard asset that you can drive by, right? So if the market crashes 50%, like it's done, you know, twice in the last 20 years, your real estate is still sitting there. So, you know, you have something real tangible that didn't just go away because of a bad headline or so, right. you know, so it doesn't mean it can't go down in value. It just means that it's still going to retain some value no matter what's going on in the world. Now, what's the problem with real estate? very limited liquidity, which means that you may want to sell it. You may want to list it you know, and get out from under it for whatever reason. The reality is that's not up to you unless you're willing to take concessions on what you're willing to get for it from a sale price. So it's limited liquidity because it might take you three days to sell it. It might take you three years to sell it. We've got a client who bought an adjoining lot next to the house that they have. And you know, they got it for a steal. They thought, what a great deal. We're going to expand, you know, no neighbor next to us, all these things. Well, they retired and sold the primary house, but they can't sell that lot attached to it. You know, there's all these other things that are going on with it. And now they're stuck with this lot that they can't, it's not, it's not big enough to build on mm. and, it's, and it's not valuable enough for anybody to want to come and take. So now they're talking about donating it and just taking a tax write-off because they've been trying to get rid of it for 10 years and they can't. <laughs> you know, so there's very limited liquidity with real estate. Doesn't mean you can't sell it. Just means you really don't know what price you can sell it for and what the demand and timing is going to be. Yeah. I mean, the housing market's going to ebb and flow just like anything else. And so all that's kind of kind of go up and down and you can't really reach into the walls and pull out any cash unless you're willing to sell the copper out of the AC unit or something. There's just really not a lot you're going to be able to do in that respect. So bearing in mind all of this, Mike, when we're talking about these qualities of money and the different vehicles, again, back to the point, that's what a plan is designed to do is to help you get a little bit of everything that you're going to need to build up that good portfolio and that retirement plan by you know capitalizing on the three qualities of money from different arenas, correct? Correct. Absolutely. 
And so that's the whole point there, folks. So hopefully that helps you out a little bit, understanding those uh, that financial literacy, those three qualities of money. And as we always do, we like to wrap up the show with an email question and things of that nature. So we're going to jump over to that. And if you'd like to submit your own, don't forget you can stop by the website at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Submit an email question to the podcast or just to Mike and his team in general if you've got some things on your mind. Also, if you just want to talk or you know you have some questions you've got to address before you take any action off of something you heard on our show or any other financial show, always talk with a qualified financial professional about your specific situation because we talk in generalities here, so it may not you know translate exactly to what you need. That's why you have to have that one-on-one conversation. 815-526-3092 is how you make that happen. 815-526-3092. And let's take an email question we got in from Albert, and he was over in Huntley. And he says, uh, Mike, should I start my Social Security at 62 to help me pay off my house before I retire? Yeah, Albert, there's a a lot of other variables that are associated with this. So I'll kind of walk you through a more bigger picture so so it'll be more beneficial to the general audience. Uh, I think you'll find your answer somewhere in, in between. So Albert, as you mentioned, you could take Social Security as early as 62. So if you're eligible for taking Social Security, you could take it as early as 62. You could take it around 66, 67, which is what they call your full retirement age. Or you could even wait up till 70 because if every year you wait after your full retirement age, after 66, 67, the government's going to add an extra 8% on top of that number. So you could potentially get another 24 to 32% on top of that, you know, what you normally would have gotten at 66, 67. So Albert, let's go back to your question. So one of the things that you look at is if you're considering taking Social Security before your full retirement age, so depending on the year you're born, that's either 66, 67, or somewhere in between. Then the question I have for you, because you said you want to pay off your house before you retire, that means that you're still working. So anybody that takes Social Security before their full retirement age, you have to contend with something called the earnings test. The earnings test, and I'm just going to round it down just for sake of our conversation, means that if you're from either profits from a business or W-2 if you're an employee, you can't make more than $18,000 without having your earnings subject to what's called an earnings test for Social Security. And what that means in short is that for every $2 you make or earn above and beyond that $18,000, you're going to give back $1 of your Social Security benefits. So basically, if you wind up making, say, $35,000, you know what, you've gone substantially over by about $17,000, that earnings limit. So you're going to give back all of the Social Security that you received. So, you know, you may want to take it early, but if you're making too much income and that income's not a very high level, then what happens is you're going to have, you basically won't get any of that social security benefit. Either they won't give it to you or you have to pay it all back. So it defeats the purpose. The second part of that comes down to if you take social security benefits before your full retirement age, so before 66, 67, you get what we call a haircut or, you know, they slash some of those benefits away. And typically if you're 62, and you're trying to take Social Security early, let's say the earnings test doesn't even apply to you, right? No other income coming in. Then what happens is, let's say, Albert, you're supposed to have $3,000 a month in Social Security, and you want to take it at 62. You're typically going to get about a 35% haircut or lose about a third of what your real Social Security number should be because you're taking it four or five years early. That means instead of getting $3,000 a month, like you would have at 66 or 67, you're now going to get a little bit less than $2,000 a month 
Now, granted, you get to take that for the next few years, you know, so you do get to retire early in that. But the problem is that lower amount sticks with you for the rest of your life. You know, it might go up for some cost of living adjustments, one, two, three percent a year or so. But the reality is you've walked away from a significant amount of potential benefit. You know, when we do social security planning and income planning with our clients, Albert, what we do is we say, okay, here's social security. If we wait till this age, you know, whether it's 62, 67, 70, whatever it is. Now let's take a look at the other resources and assets that you have. For some clients, if they've been really good savers over the years, it may make sense for them to take that reduced social security early and then just utilize and get income from some of the 401ks, IRAs, additional savings and things that they've had. For others, if social security is going to be one of the largest parts of your income in retirement, it's incumbent on you to wait longer because if it's going to be a large part of your retirement income, you need the largest checks from social security possible because that's where a majority of your income is going to come from. So everyone's situation, Albert, is, is different. So what I recommend, you sit down with the fiduciary, whether it's us or somebody else, and have them run that analysis. What's the break even on you taking it early or not? Is the earnings test going to apply to you or not? If you're married, how is you taking it early going to affect your spouse's survivor benefit, You know, which is a whole other rabbit hole to go down? So it's not as easy as saying, hey, I'm eligible at 62. I should take it. There's a lot of other moving parts that need to be considered. All right. So thank you so much for the email question, Albert. We certainly appreciate it. And we appreciate your time here on the podcast as we do these every couple of weeks uh, throughout each month. If you've got questions or concerns, as I always mentioned, reach out to Mike and his team at CrystalLakeTax.com. That's CrystalLakeTax.com. While you're there, you can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you'd like. We make it easy for you to do. If you already have those apps on your phone, and you most likely do, just type in Retirement Success Blueprint in the search box for whatever app you're using and you will find the podcast that way. You can subscribe to it and catch future episodes as well as check out past episodes. That's going to do it for us this week here on the show. Mike, thanks for your time, my friend. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you soon. All right, I'll talk to you in February in the month of love. There you go. We'll see you next time here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart from Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities.